I mean, if you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 5, beginning with verse number uh, 33 this morning. You know, I had a friend, he used to have this, uh, this old, old computer, this old PM2 computer he used to have. And um, back when we were, uh, back when we were going to, uh, to school, and uh, after we graduated, I was kind of, you know, the guy that kind of knew a little bit about computers, so I'd always get the, the calls sometimes when there, there was the problem. And uh, he'd always call me. There'd be a problem with this uh, with this computer of his, and uh, he would want to know uh, how can he can he fix it. And eventually, it got to the point where every time uh, he would call and he said, "Hey, man, this computer's running slow. What do we need to do to fix it?" And I tell him, "Look, it can't be fixed. It's just time to throw that thing away and get you a new one." He said, "No, no, no, man. This thing can't be. Fi- uh, this thing can be fixed." And so we'd get kind of some new part or some new upgrade for it. And uh, it would work there for a while, and, um, and, uh, but eventually after a while, I'd start messing up on him again. There'd be something being down behind, and he called me and said, hey, man, this program's not working on my computer no more. And I was like, well, it ain't working on that computer no more because they don't make it for that computer no more. It's time to throw that thing away and get you a new one. You know, it was hard for him to get through his mind, and I finally had to sell him and say, look, had to sit him down and say, look, it's time to take that thing to the curb and get you a new one. You know, I look around, uh, especially as you go around our community, you see uh, a lot of people, and they've got a lot of, lot of cars in their yard. And uh, instead of them going out and getting a new car, what we'll do is we'll go out there and we'll get you what you call a fixer-upper. And we'll go get this fixer-upper, and it don't even run, and we'll sit out there in the yard, and we'll be like, we're going to fix that thing up one day. And we'll go out there and tinker with it, and you'll get this little part with it. You'll get that little part with it, but you never, ever can get it to run. You know, sometimes it's just time to take that thing out and get you a new one. Jesus wants us to learn that lesson because he dealt with a group of Pharisees and a group of Sadducees. They didn't really understand because they wanted to try to fit their walk with Christ into their old ways of doing things. And Jesus wanted us to be reminded of something that I was reminded all throughout the week as I read through this scripture. And that is the reality of what Jesus told to Nicodemus when he came to him by night. And he looked at him and he said to him, you must be born again. What was he telling him? He said, look, you've got to become completely brand new. And Jesus would tell them, uh, or we learned through other scripture about the other times about how we are to be new. We are to start all over. And he even told them in the Old Testament, talking about the beginning and the coming of Jesus, he said, I'm going to rip out that old heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And so as we read these verses this morning, I want us to think in our hearts and in life, not about just becoming something different, but of allowing Christ to make you brand new. So let's read the Word of God as we pick up in the book of Luke this morning, chapter 5, beginning with verse number 33, and it says, And they said to him, The disciples of John fast often. And, and, uh, and offer prayers, and so did the disciples and the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, Can you make the wedding guests feast 
while the bridegroom is with them. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and, and they, they will fast in those days. And he told them a parable. No one tears a piece from an, a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will, he will tear the new, and the piece of the new will, match, will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skin will be destroyed. But new wine must be put in fr- into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, Lord, and how it guides us in our life. Lord, and as we learned in our Sunday school lesson this morning about the Holy Spirit teaches us and convicts us and meddles in our heart and our life to show us how the scripture should apply to us and draw us to the names and the ways that we need to change in our hearts and our life. Lord, I pray that you'll do that in each of our hearts. Lord, I pray you'll do that in my heart as well, that you'll speak to each and every one of us. Lord, and you show us how you want to make us new. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We talked about how the Pharisees didn't really get Jesus. There are some things that really conflicted in their hearts and their lives because they really didn't understand what Jesus was trying to say. They really didn't understand what Jesus was trying to do, and they forgot some things. And if we're not careful in our hearts and our lives, we'll forget some things as well. And when we talked about the uh, healing of the paraplegic, we uh, forgot in our hearts and our lives that Jesus, our greatest need is for us to, to have our sins forgiven. And then we learned, um, we learned last week about how Jesus is working in our hearts and how Jesus is working our lives and how Jesus still desires to save lost people. And we forget as veteran Christians, we get to a point where we forget about our lostness and we forget about our brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus Christ and what it would mean in their hearts and their lives if they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he wanted us to remember that. And what we forget in our hearts and our lives, and what he wants to show us this morning is that Jesus wants to not just change you, but Jesus has come to make you new. He's come to completely wreck, to completely destroy everything of what your formal way of life is, and to completely reconstruct it. And that's what our walk with Jesus should be. But too many people take the avenues that the Pharisees took to have their walk with Christ. And we do that in our hearts and our lives. And the first thing that we usually try to do is we kind of live a ritualistic, robotic walk with Christ. In other words, we're just doing the things without even really paying attention. And that's where you find the Pharisees this morning because they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, you know what? You know, the, fair, the, uh, the disciples of John, you know, they uh, observed the traditions and they, they fasted. And they did the things that were of the old customs, just like we do. But yours do not. The act of fasting is actually only commanded in one place in Scripture in the Old Testament. 
And the Day of Atonement was the only day that there was to be observed a day of actually fasting. That was the only commanded day of fasting. But there was much fasting that went on in the Old Testament. And fasting was always associated with mourning. It was always associated with seeking God. In other words, we want to make our inner bodies suffer. We want to make our outer bodies suffer. We want to make our outer bodies feel the pain that our inner soul feels. And that's why you had fasting. And you would also fast because that you wanted to seek God. You were going through a difficult situation. You were going through a hard time, and you needed to take time in your, in your life, and you wanted to seek God in a special way. And so you would have a time of fasting, a time of self-denial in order that you would seek God. In other words, I'm going to restrain myself from certain delicacies, from certain good things until I hear from God because this matter is so pressing that I desperately want to hear from God. And that's really what fasting was in the Old Testament. But by the time you get to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they fasted for ritual. They fasted on two days a week. And they would have certain times, and that was just fast day. And there's no good of having a fast day unless you were going to let people know that you were fasting. And that's kind of the way we are today. You know, we're not going to do anything unless we're going to put pictures of it on Instagram and Facebook to let everybody know that that's what we're doing. And that's the way the Pharisees were. And remember how Jesus called them on that and talked about how when you go to fast, he said, don't look all scraffly, but, and don't look all poor and pathetic, but, but take care of yourself because you're fasting not for people to see, but for the Lord to see. But fasting had become such a, a ritualistic, they were so busy just doing the things that they thought that they were supposed to do because it was the day for them to supposed to do it that they didn't realize what was going on in the situation. They didn't realize what the purpose of fasting was. The purpose of fasting ultimately was to seek the Lord. And so the question of Why did Jesus' disciples not fast is because they didn't need to fast because you fasted in order to seek the Lord and Jesus' disciples didn't have to fast to seek the Lord because the Lord was right there with them. And so they were impervious to what was going around them because they were just so busy doing the traditions. And that can be our way in our hearts and our lives. We can get so busy just doing the busy work of what it means to be a Christian. So busy just doing the busy work of what it means to be a part of a church that we are completely oblivious to what the Lord's doing around us. Have you ever been there? You get just so busy doing. Isn't that where Martha was? So busy working and doing, 
so busy taking care of the details that she was missing the opportunity to sit before Jesus. We can't get ourselves in a position when we're so busy just doing the things, doing the rituals, that we miss out on Jesus. And that's why Jesus is saying, he said, look, and he told him this parable. He said, look, can you ask the, uh, the, uh, the wedding guests to, uh, to fast? Can you ask them to be in a time of mourning when the bridegroom is right there? He said that one day the bridegroom's gonna be taken away from them and then they will fast. And basically saying, he said, look, I'm the bridegroom. I'm here. It's not the seizing of fasting. It's the seizing of celebration. Why? Because Jesus, the Son of God, is actually in their midst. It is actually in their presence. They don't have to go up the hill to go find them. They don't have to fast to seek them. They don't have to do anything to gain access to the Father or the Son because He was right there in front of them. But one day, that time will pass. And it did pass and it did pass for the disciples, and Jesus was taken away, and then they had to go back to the methods of seeking God through the fasting and through the prayers, just like you and I do. But if it became such a ritual that we would just fast or that we would just pray because that's what we're supposed to do, then we're really going to miss out on actually experiencing the person of Jesus. Is that where you are this morning? You're so busy just doing the things of religion that you're actually missing out on the personal interaction of Jesus. Because they were making a fundamental mistake. They were making a fundamental mistake in their walk with God. And we make the same fundamental mistake in our walk with Jesus Christ. And he tells them, in these parables. He says, how many of you would, uh, would have, a, uh, have a hole in one of your garments, would take like a patch from a new garment and just strap that old new patch on that old garment? How many of you would do something like that? I'm sure many of you uh, remember back in the days, you know, back when everybody was poor, and you couldn't just go to the store every time you wanted to and get a new pair, pair of jeans. You know, somebody would get a, a pair of jeans, and that pair of jeans would just get passed on down, passed on down, passed on down. And, um, you know, if that pair of jeans got a hole in it, you know, they, they'd want to patch it. You know, can't just throw it away. But now uh, you see everybody now, you know, they don't, apparently don't know how to patch them holes in the jeans because they just all got holes in the jeans, and they just walk around with them. But he says, how many of you would take a piece of a new garment and use that to patch the old? And what he was saying and what he was making the analogy of is that you can't just reform your old self. And too many people, that's the way we live our Christian life. Is we just want to become Christians and we want to use Christ just to fix, just to patch some of the holes in our life. Because fundamentally, I'm okay. I just got a few little holes. I just got a few little rough spots that need to be smoothed out. I just need to get, I just need to get a few little areas of my life 
fixed. I just need Jesus to fix a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I just need Jesus to work on my language. I just need Jesus to work on this. Everything else is fine. And so we live a life with Christ that he's just there to reform our lives, that he's just there to patch up the little holes. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to patch up your old way of life. Because what happens? You take that new piece of the garment, you done ruined it, and so you put it on that old garment, and then they don't match, and then all of a sudden they start breaking apart from each other, and then all of a sudden, man, you done ruined the new garment, and you done ruined the old garment, and it just don't work. And when we try to live the life of Christ under the old formulation of how we live our lives, it just don't work. It just don't go together. And so what God causes us to do is not try to fix your old way of life. Not just to reform your old ways of thinking. But he wants you to throw those things away. And he wants you to start fresh and anew. How many of you have allowed Christ to transform your mind to completely change the way that you think about things? Or do you still just live the old life, but just a little bit different? Just rely on Christ to just fix those little rough spots in your life. If so, you're missing out. If so, you're going to fall short. If so, you're really going to miss out on what it truly means to follow Christ because Christ isn't here just to fix you. Christ is here to make you new. So we try to reform our lives, but then maybe we just try to rebrand them. And he talks about the wineskins. And when you have the new wine and you pour that, that grape juice there into a wineskin, that wine begins to, to ferment. And, of course, that fermentation is like a gas, and because it's a gas, it begins to expand that skin. And because that, that skin is a new skin, it's able to stretch a little bit, and so it's able to absorb the extra space of what that gas is ca causing. And so if you were to take that old wine skin, once you were done uh, with that wine, and say, you know what, this is a pretty good, uh, good wine skin. I think I'm going to use it again. So you take some new wine, wine you just got out of the field, and you pour it into that wine skin. That wine is going to begin to start gassing, and it's going to start expanding, and it's going to want to push out that skin. But that skin has already been stretched as far as it's going to go. And so it's going to burst. And so not only have you lost the skin, but you've also lost the wine. It hasn't done anything good for anybody. And so a lot of times we just want to rebrand our walk with Christ. We want to mix a little bit of our old traditions with our new way of life. But Jesus says it's not working that way. Jesus says you have to start all new. 
Jesus says that you have to allow God to completely transform your life and completely transform the way that you do things. Are we allowing God to make us new? But listen to how he closes the statement at the end of this verse, at verse number 39. He says, And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says, the old is good. Here he's talking about the flavor that really comes from a true life in Christ. Once you've experienced the flavor of what it truly means to be in Christ, you really don't want to go to anything different. If you're just living the old traditions, if you're just really living your old way of doing things, if you're not really living in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, then church will seem boring. Then walking with Christ will seem to be a dredge. And a lot of times you'll desire, it's like, man, I just wish I could go back just to the old things. But when you've experienced what it truly means to be born again, once you've truly experienced what it means to walk in a relationship with Christ, you would just never, ever go back to the dullness of ritual and routine and doing things just to be doing things. Once you've experienced the vibrancy of Christ, you would never really go back again. So what are you experiencing in your walk with Christ this morning? Are you just asking God to, pitch up, to uh, patch up the rough spots in your life? Just kind of fix those habits that you just can't seem to shake? Or are you allowing Christ to make you new? Are you living in a vibrant, active relationship with Christ? where you pray to him, where you read in his word, when you follow that leadership of the Holy Spirit, or are you just lost in routine? God doesn't just want to change you. God wants you to make you new. He wants to remake your life from the inside out. He wants to change the way that you think. He wants to change the way that you talk. He wants to change the way that you interact with people. He wants to change the way that you live your life. He wants to change the way that you spend your money. He wants to change your way you conduct your relationships. He wants to change the way that you treat your spouse. He wants to change the way that you treat your parents. He wants to train, change the way that you are motivated and the purposes for your work. He wants to take every aspect of your life and change it to the glory of God. Are you allowing Christ to make you new? If not, I pray you'll do this morning. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all the things that you've blessed us with. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you have come to make us completely new. to make us into completely new creations, completely unrecognizable 
for all what we were before. But Lord, I pray, but I fear so many times that we just want want, uh, you to just make us a little different. Just make us a little better. Just fix some of those bad spots in our life. Just do the same old things, but maybe just a little bit a different way. But Lord, I strive this morning, Lord, that we're striving our hearts and our lives, that you would just come and you would make us new, that we surrender ourselves to you and allow you to transform us completely. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. Invitation.